So over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Church Matters. And the first week we talked about membership. And we talked about that membership is not about what you get by being a member of a church. It's about what you bring to the church. That membership is a way of saying, I'm going to pray for this church. I'm going to pray for the leaders of the church. I'm going to connect with others in some form of a small group or a Bible study. I'm going to find a place that I'm going to serve. Even if I can't serve that often, I'm going to do something to serve other people. And I'm going to give financially to support the ministries of that church. That's what membership is. And we did just kind of a a little bit of a crash course of our intro to mission. And I said, look, you know, if you haven't been to mission or intro to mission and you've been coming to mission for a while or you've attended intro and uh, you're, you know, you're ready to join mission and you haven't, or maybe you thought you joined mission and you aren't sure because you've been here a while. Uh, we gave you a lot of different ways to just say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to put a stake in the ground that mission is my church this is the church I'm going to commit to. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to, I'm going to do my part to make the church all that it can be. And last week, what I did is I gave everybody a week. And last week, with the number of families that joined Counting Kids, it was over 70 people that joined Mission last week and said, this is my church. So that was an awesome way to end last week. Yep. We had several more at the end of the 9 o'clock service, so uh, I just want to give you this opportunity one more time, like in case you weren't here last week. Now, let me say this. First-time guests, don't, no pressure, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, first or second time, I mean, second or third time here, no pressure. But one of the things that I want to make sure those of you that have been here for a while have the opportunity to do is, number one, if you have not filled out one of these cards because if you've been around Mission for a while and you've moved and your address has changed, if email addresses have changed, if phone numbers have changed, if you've added children and, and brought more children into your household and, and we don't have that, uh, please take one of these and fill this out. If nothing's changed and our database with you is up to date, don't worry about it. Uh, but we really want to try to get that updated if we can. Number two, if you want to come down at the end of the service and join mission because you weren't here last week or, or wanted to think about it another week, uh, bring this card with you when I, when I give you that invitation at the end of the service because I promise you I won't remember all your names. So it's really to help me out. So um, if you did not get one of these, would you, would you mind to hand these out if people raise their hand? I know you're shy, so I, I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> Anybody not get one of these cards, raise your hand, and uh, Robin will bring one around to you. Anybody? Anybody not get one? Got one over there? Yep. What about the balcony? Anybody up there? I mean, I know there's people up there, but do you need a card? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, you know, and, and, and one of the things that I've just been really, really amazed um, at just the response. Anybody else? Yep, back there in the uh, right-hand section and the middle section toward the back there. Yep. One per family. You don't have to do one per person. Just one per family will we'll, we'll cover it. I didn't say that earlier. All right, so one of the things that we, we talk about at Mission uh, a lot, and especially if you've been around Mission for a period of time, uh, there's two things that we talk about a lot as it relates to getting involved and engaged and plugged in at Mission. 
One is we talk about groups, uh, getting involved in a small group, get, get, getting involved in a small group, Bible study, connecting with other people. Number two is serving. And, and one of the things that we can have a tendency to do in, in the way that we engage in church in the American context is like, okay, well, I believe in Jesus, um, you know, and I, and I want to go to church, but I don't, I don't know that I want to take another step. I don't, I don't know that I want to go further. Like, I'm good, like, just kind of letting my church experience be, you know, attending church, and then I kind of, and then I kind of slide out the door. Um, and, and then for others, it's like, well, I want to take that step, but I don't know how. And, and, and I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit fearful of what might happen. Like if I go into a small group Bible study and it's my first day there, is somebody going to call on me to talk? Are they going to ask me to list the books of the old Testament? Are they going to test my overall general biblical knowledge? And the answer to all of that is no. Like that, like that, that just shouldn't happen. Like if you want to check out a group, you should be able to check out a group. And if you want to sit in the back of the room and not say a word and just listen, you ought to have the freedom to do that. So if you're a group leader in here and if you call out a new person, I want that new person to tell me because you and I are going to talk <laughs> after what I just said. Okay. You know, but, but, but why are groups and serving so important. Why are they so necessary? We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter 2. This, this passage we're going to look at has been dissected and studied and written about and looked at for generations because it gives us a very brief but very powerful glimpse in how the early church was functioning together in the city of Jerusalem after the coming down of the Holy Spirit earlier in Acts chapter 2. And, and there's a lot that we can unpack. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, some of you are going to get nervous because I'm trying to cover two things today, not one. And it's already, I'm not going to tell you what time it is. <laughs> some of you are already worried, like, we're going to be here a while, aren't we? You know, Bojangles going to run out of white meat. Um, before I get there, you know, but, but, but the, these two things link together and they are so vitally important. Let's read the text. And then I got some things that I want us to unpack together. Acts chapter two, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals and to prayer. Did you notice how many times the word and shows up in that sentence? Like, like, it's not just like, well, some of them did this and some of them did that and some of them did this over here and some of them really didn't focus on that. No, it was an and, 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 and. All of those things were a part of what they were doing. A deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those that were in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Notice how many times the word share has come up in these verses. All the while praising God and enjoying the good will of the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these words and these verses.
Thank you for what you want to say to us today because, Lord, there is something specific that you have that you want to say to each and every person in here. May our hearts, our minds, and our ears be open to just what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's answer the question, first of all, why groups? Like, why do we talk about groups? Why do we emphasize groups? Why do we have groups? Why do we talk about you getting involved in one? There's three things that I want us to look at based on this passage. The first thing is that groups show commitment. Groups show commitment. Listen to what Luke says, the way he writes this. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, and to prayer. There is a commitment level when you're willing to take that step and be a part of a group, whether it's Sunday morning or any other time that we have groups available. And the commitment isn't just to the group. It's also a deeper commitment to the church, and it also shows a stronger commitment to your relationship with God. All of those things link hand in hand together. Uh, and, and, and showing that commitment is so vitally important. Listen to what Luke says. He says they were devoted. What are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? I mean, like there's certain times a year I know what people are devoted to because I see all their pictures in tree stands and deer stands. When the weather gets warmer, you're going to see something that sometimes I've been too devoted to, and that's chasing a little white ball all around 18 holes and going and exploring the woods. <laughs> what are you devoted to? Somebody just this week copied me on a group text of a Stanley News and Press article, and I, I think it was in the 30s, and I, I just blanked on the date, and I didn't have time uh, to look at my phone to go back and look at it. But it was written about a, a man and his wife that lived in Millingport and would walk eight miles to attend church at Mission. Did you hear what I said? Walk, walk, walk. They, 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 walk, they walked. One foot in front of the other, don't be in a hurry because you're not going to get there in a hurry. Walk, walk, walking. You think that reflects a level of devotion and seriousness to our relationship with God, serious about our commitment to the church? We've become so soft in America today that how many times do we use the flimsiest of excuses not to go to church? You didn't because you're here today. How tempting would it have been to go, it's cold outside, I'm going to stay home. You know? How, how, how tempting would that have been? And, and how many times, you know, like, well, we were out late last night, or I was up late last night, or I got a lot to do today. We make all kinds of excuses. To walk eight miles to go to church is something you would never, you and I would never think about doing that. Because it's too easy now. We can make all kinds of excuses. We can, we can sit at home and, and watch any number of, 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 of services and ministers. But, 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 but being a part of a group means that I'm taking the next step. And it, and it reflects a level of commitment and devotion to the church and to your relationship with Jesus. Groups share community. Man, community is so important. One of the things that keeps um, coming up in studies about the, America, about the mental health of Americans is people are way too lonely, way too isolated, way too disconnected. And it is, kill, it is literally killing us. 
God did not mean for us to be so isolated and alone that we don't have connections and relationships with other people. And so being a part of a group means that, that I'm in community, I'm building relationships, I'm sharing life together. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and sharing meals and prayer. Those are things that are all an important part of group life, sharing meals together, doing the Lord's Supper, praying together. And look, can I just say this about prayer in groups? Are, are, are you okay if I go here? Some of you got really nervous when I said that. I, I, I hope this doesn't sound too crass. Can we spend less time uh, praying about somebody's aunt's cousin three times removed ingrown toenail and spend more time praying about the lost in our community? Can we spend our time together praying that God would show us who he wants us to be as a group and a church and praying for those that are far from God? Well, I mean, let's think about putting boards up in our classrooms and, and, and listing out people that we are praying for that don't know Jesus. Let's go deeper in our group prayer experiences together because that's where we're going to see the power of God show up in our communities together. And, 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 and let, me, let me get back on topic here. You need to be in relationships with other Christians because life in the world is hard. It's becoming harder to be a Christian and be public about it. It's being harder uh, to be outspoken about your faith. You need to be in relationships with people who are sharing the Christian life together to encourage each other and support each other. And because I'm telling you, the stronger community you have, the more likely you are to weather life challenges better than if you're disconnected and alone. Because when you know that there's people rooting for you, pulling for you, supporting for you, helping you, doing for you while you get through that season, you will come out of that season better than when you went into it. And it's all because of community. And let me just say this real, real, real quick and then I'll, then I'll move on because I still got a lot to cover. One of the things that hurts community is broken trust. It is so vital that when people come into our groups that, and, and they're having a challenge in their life and, and they verbalize that challenge, they need to be able to know that that, that that verbalization of that challenge is done with safety and trust. Because if somebody ever goes out of that room and says a disparaging comment, a judgmental comment, a gossiping comment about what somebody has, community for that person you violated will stop. And one of the reasons that churches get a bad rap and a lot of people don't want to take that step and be a part of a group is because they've been burned. Somebody talked about them. Somebody violated the trust. Somebody went out of there talking about something that was said or done. And it has damaged that community greatly. And it's damaged that person greatly. One of the things I talk about... Um, uh, every, uh, every time we start a grief share group is that everything that a person says in our open discussion of grief share stays in that room. It is a place of safety. It has to be. It needs to be. It must be. 
and that anybody that, that says anything about what they're dealing with about life's uh, journey through loss is going to stay right there. They don't need to worry about somebody going out and talking about it to their friends or gossiping about it uh, to the guys at the barbershop or the gals at the beauty shop. Like It is a sacred trust. And you may not agree with what somebody's opinion is. You may not agree with what is necessarily going on in their life. And you may have their opinions about why they're in the, in, in the challenging situation that they're in. But it's not our places to judge as a spiritual community. It's our place to encourage and surround and build community in ways that help people live this Christian life together. Not isolated, not pocketed uh, 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 apart from each other. You are going to be much stronger in your faith if you'll take that step and grow in your relationship with God with a group. Here's the third thing uh, that Luke says is that groups engage in charity. I'm not going to say a whole lot about this right now, but one of the things that's powerful about small groups is that when they get together, they, they, they engage in acts of charity together. I could stand here on this platform and talk about any number of ways that you can be charitable and give and do for the needs of people around our community. You can sit there and go, yeah, okay, I'll think about that. Yeah, maybe I'll do something about that later, and later never happens. But when you're in a small group of people, and, and somebody says, hey, this, this has been brought to my attention. I think we ought to help this. There's something collectively that happens that it's like, you know what? If it's important to these people, it can be important to me too. And God just has this ability to harness the charitable efforts of small groups of people to do great things um, locally and, and, and all across the globe in the name of Jesus. And, it's hard, and sometimes, look, sometimes peer pressure is not a bad thing especially when it means it's the right thing. That sometimes somebody says, look, I think we need to do this. I think we need to give to this. If you were sitting in here, you may not ever take that step. But if you're in a smaller group of people, it might be like, mm, maybe the Lord's saying something to me. Maybe I do need to take that step. I, I want to introduce somebody to you. Uh, some of you may not know who this is. Um, he and I had breakfast a couple of weeks ago and he had something that, he, that was just on his heart, and he said, I really want to talk about this, and I really want to say something to the church because it's really been on my heart. And I said, well, it's really funny, ha-ha, funny, that we're having this conversation about the timing because this is what I'm going to be talking about on the 21st of January. And, and he said, well, I'll, I'll be there. He said, i got some things on my heart. So uh, Tommy Smith is going to come up and share a couple of things with you. Um, and, and again, I know these are things from his heart. Uh, Tommy has been an elder here at Mission. Uh, he's uh, very active in two groups at our church. And so this is something that's very much um, uh, comes from his heart. So, Tommy, please share with us, okay? Thank you. Absolutely. Are you happy to be here this morning? Amen. No better place to be. My name is Tommy Smith, and I want to talk to you about a couple things on my heart. Uh, one of them is groups. Uh, I'm involved in two groups. And by the way, we have some excellent groups here at Mission Church. These are not the only two. There's many opportunities to serve. The thing is you have to be have an open heart and be receptive to the words of Jesus Christ because, believe me, when he gets a hold of you, he's going to change you. One of them that we're going to be talking about, and the, the one that I'm involved in is a group on Tuesday morning that meets at 6 o'clock at sunrise for breakfast in Locust. Now, I know the first thing going to come to your mind, 6 o'clock. I'm not even up at 6 o'clock. Well, 
You have to make a choice sometimes. You have to decide. If God lays it on your heart, that's good. But what we're going to be doing, we're talking about a book. Even if you don't come to the group, I recommend this book. It's by Josh Smith, and I like the last name. But anyway, it talks about the Titus 10, the 10 foundations of a godly man. If I ask you to name or think about somebody you know that is a godly man, what comes to mind? A godly man. Paul left Titus in Crete to work out some differences they were having in the church. And the first thing he told them was, and by the way, if you haven't read the book of Titus, it's a very short book, 46 verses, won't take you long to read. But believe me, you'll want to go back and read it again. But anyway, he told him, he said, select godly men to help you with this. And people, I don't know about you, but in our day and time, we're in need of godly men. People that will stand up and teach the next generation what needs to be done, how to live, how to work, how to become a man, and what to do. And the only way you can do that we have the perfect example. That's Jesus Christ. That's who t we need to follow. That's who we need to believe in. Josh tells us in the book, he says that a person who follows Christ should be a better worker, a better boss, and a better employee. Should be the example to the world of what to be. And the only way you're going to learn that is through trusting in Jesus Christ and through community and through groups and through the church. Because this world will not teach it to you, but Jesus Christ will. The second thing I want to talk about, and I told Jeremy, I said, if I go too long, you have to punch me. So if he does, I know it's too long. But anyway, I teach a group on Sunday morning. There again, 8 o'clock, called the early group. And I know you're saying I'm not even up on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. And that's fine. There's other groups. One at 9, there's some at 10.30, there's some going on right now. But we're going to be starting a series from Chip Ingram on heaven is for real. When was the last time you thought about heaven? When was the last time you talked about it? When was the last time you discussed it? Because Jesus talked about it quite often. Heaven is referred to more than 200 times in the New Testament. He tells us that that's our home. I don't know about you, but I've got an address in this world that says 9825 Bowman Barrier Road. That's not my home. My home is in heaven. I'm just passing through. But people, you have to have an open heart to Jesus Christ, and you have to let him reveal that to you. Paul tells us in Colossians to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in every human being's heart. That every human being knows that there's something about life after death. But so many times people were worried about where we're going to go for lunch today instead of talking about heaven. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where it will be corrupted. Because let me tell you something, everything on this earth is going to break down, give out, wear out, and be thrown in the trash. But what does he tell us? Store up treasure in heaven where it's going to be waiting on you. In John chapter 13, the last night that Jesus lived on this earth, he did something. He was in the upper room with his disciples taking part in the Passover meal. He stood up, took off his robe, and put a towel on. And I want you to picture this. I want you just to get this in your mind. The creator of this universe, a man that could have called down legions of angels to take him away, put a towel around his waist and washed the disciples' feet. Think about that. And then later on, these same men, what kind of words would he give them as inspiration? Because he knew what was going to happen to each and every one of them. He knew the persecution they were going to face. He knew the trials in life they were going to have. He knew what was going to happen to each one of them. But he told them in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If not so, I told you so. And when everything is ready, what does he say? I will come back and get you, so that where I am, you can be also. And then in verse 6, what did he tell Thomas? Because Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. We don't know where the way. I am the way truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People, I went many years as a young man, and believe me, I was younger, and I am old, I agree with that. And I had the attitude that I didn't need to be in a group. I didn't need to join with other people. I knew what to do. I knew how to live. And I had the attitude, it's my way or the highway. You don't do what I want you to, I don't want no part of it. That was wrong. That was very wrong. God created us for community. He created us to be together, just like we're doing here. To love one another, to cherish each other, to build each other up. Because we live in a world that problems exist. You're going to have problems. You're going to have struggles. They're going to come. But if you know Jesus and you have an open heart and he lives in your heart, he tells you that I will never leave you or forsake you. And believe me when I tell you this, I know exactly what that means. But that's the message for another day. I want to tell you that there is joy in groups, in giving your time, your talents, and every human being is created with a talent. There's something you can do. Don't squelch it down. 
If you don't understand about Jesus, ask. If you don't understand about heaven, ask. Because believe me, when God gets a hold of you, it'll cause you to want to study his word, it'll cause you to want to get into it, and it'll cause you to want to learn. Because it did that to me. Trust me when I say, God is good, God is amazing, God is great, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for this church. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for each one that's here. Lord, I pray that you will be with each one that's here if they haven't made a decision to follow you. Somehow you will plant that seed. You will let them know that they're loved, they do matter, and they have a place in your house. Lord, be with us the rest of this day. Go with us as we leave this place and help us to understand we do serve an amazing God. We serve a God that cares so much about us. In Jesus' name we pray. By the way, if you do come to one of my groups, I will not call on you to say something. I will not ask you. If you don't say anything and you don't talk to me, I know you're not asking me questions. I don't have to answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. I have seen in Tommy Smith a great transformation over the last several years, and what he shared today really comes out of his heart and his journey from going from just being at church to really digging into his relationship with God. So thank you, Tommy, for what you shared with us today. I want to make a transition in the few minutes that we have left and, and talk about why serve. Why do we talk about serving as much as we do groups, sometimes maybe even more? And again, we go back to the text today, and one of the things that Luke says, uh, points out, is that serving meets other people's needs. And uh, a lot of times uh, when those needs get known, there's opportunities to, to stand up and, and to step up and to serve. And what it says, it says that the early church, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, one of the things about this particular period of time, and it's not unlike uh, other periods of history because uh, the human condition is very selfish. The human condition is very self-focused that because of the burden that was put on them by uh, local officials in Jerusalem and by Rome, people were heavily taxed and they were having an incredibly hard time making a living and just, and just being able to get by. And, and just think about the, the amazing selflessness that they were willing to sell property and sell possessions and give to others in need. And that's one of the things that we have the opportunity to do when we talk about serving and it, and it reflects selflessness. Like if you're going to meet a need of somebody else, you have to look outside of yourself. You have to do outside of yourself. You have to go beyond yourself because in order to meet a need of somebody else, I've got to give up something. I'm either going to give up money out of my wallet. I'm going to give up time out of my day. I'm going to give up doing something maybe that I want to do uh, or maybe sometimes need to do for the sake of of others. And so serving is a selfless act. That's what it's designed to be. That's what it has to be. Certain things you do in your marriage relationship carry a lot of weight when they're done out of an attitude of selflessness. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this just because I expect something in return. I'm doing this because it's needed. 
The one thing I do want to focus on for a couple of minutes is this right here. One of the things that serving does is it generates goodwill. This is what Luke said. All the while, the people were praising God and enjoying the good will of the people. I mean, goodwill is just like, I, I, I think highly of you, I respect you, I trust you, I see what you're doing. Like, you know, if you want to have a conversation, I'll have a conversation. Whatever you have to say, I'm probably going to be more likely to listen to it. When they were serving selflessly and meeting needs of people that were struggling around Jerusalem, what it did with people outside of the early church, outside of new believers, is it garnered good will. And that might be one of the biggest inroads that could happen into the lives of people that are far from Jesus Christ. We don't need to beat them over the head with the Bible. Look, this is the, this is the, the, the truth of God. Don't get me wrong. But maybe the approach isn't beating people over the head with the Bible. It's serving our community and meeting needs in our community. And goodwill stems from that. One of the things I'm so thankful for and grateful for as a church is there are businesses uh, in our community, there are places in our community that if anybody from Mission were to pick up the phone and call them, we would have an open door. Because one of our reputations in the community is that Mission is a giving church, it is a generous church, it is a serving church. There are organizations that know if there's a need, they can pick up the phone and call us. And if it's within our power to meet that need, we will. That's where good will comes from. Just because we believe in Jesus and we know that Jesus is the way to heaven and the Bible is the true word of God and we sit here in our churches and, and dig into that and celebrate that doesn't necessarily mean people outside of a relationship with God care about that. But what they will care about is when you meet a need, when you meet them where they are, when you serve selflessly in the community, there is goodwill that is garnered. And what that does is goodwill leads to salvations. Luke closed with, and each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. We cannot underestimate the power of goodwill. And think about this. If you've ever served on a ministry in a department, if you've ever done something in the community or gone on a mission trip and somebody gave their life to Jesus because of your efforts, it has changed your life. Because there's nothing better to give your life to. There's nothing better to give your energy to. There's nothing better of, of sacrificing something of yourself so that someone came to know Jesus. Because that's the aim of the church. That's the goal of the church. That's the mandate of, 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 of what Jesus says. Go into the world and make disciples. And that discipling process begins when they encounter the church serving selflessly in its community. I, I have conversations with people from time to time, people that I get to know d different ways through, throughout the community. And, and I know people that are in some struggling churches and some declining churches. And some of them have been at these churches for a long time. And they'll call me sometimes and they'll just say, look, like, 
what is it about mission? Like, why, why, why is there vibrancy there? Why is there people there? Why are you able to do all of these things? And I'm like, look, I don't, I don't know all the answers because, you know, the, the, the church is a spiritual organism. But here's two things that I know. If you want to turn your church around, you got to do two things. These are the two things I would say to anybody. Do everything you can to go all in on kids. Go all in on kids. Do everything you can, like repaint the nursery, redo the nursery, get some people committed to kids. But the second thing you got to do is get outside the walls of your church and serve in your community. One of the reasons churches are declining and dying all around us is they have, they have closed ranks, they have circled the wagons, they, they look at the same people every single week, they've done the same thing year in and year out, and they wonder why God is not blessing what they're doing, and part of it is because they're not doing anything. And community ministry is hard, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of resources, but when we serve out in the world, we garner goodwill, and goodwill leads to people knowing Jesus. What better way to give your life to something beyond yourself? I hope you got one of these when you came in. If you didn't, please get one. Pastor Adam put this together this week. On one side is all the group opportunities all throughout Mission, and there's more than you probably even knew Existed. We even got a new group that's going to be starting at 1030 just within the next couple of weeks. We got ladies groups that are going to kick off again. We got a Wednesday night men's group and a Tuesday morning men's group. We've got opportunities for you. What will keep you from connecting with a group is you. You'll be the one that will stand in the way. Also on the back of that card is opportunities to serve. And let me just say this again. Thomas did a really good job talking about it earlier. I hope you'll come tonight at 5 o'clock. Because God wants to use you in some capacity. And there may be some of you right now that God has designed for you to go to another country and, and serve others in the name of Jesus. You just don't know it yet. And some of you, he may want you to take a step and serve here at Mission because you haven't and, 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 and you've got that opportunity. There are local ministry partners that, that have ways that you can connect with their ministries. We're going to have uh, international and local and even in the church ministry opportunities to explore here tonight. We're going to worship and we're going to gather under this idea, under this thought of answering the call of God. And I want you to be here. I want you to come. Even if you're just kicking the tires on mission and you're relatively new here, I want you to come. If you've been here for years and you're not as involved as other people, I want you to come. Because I want you to see where God wants to use you in the great work of the church. For all the church's imperfections, it is his design. He is the, he is the head of the church. And when the church thrives locally... The church thrives globally. It can't happen the other way around. The more our local churches thrive in reaching out and serving and doing ministry and growing in our relationship with God, the stronger the global church is. Be here tonight at 5 o'clock. Come with an open mind and an open heart. Our kids are going to be making salvation bracelets. We're going to have food at one point in the evening because we know we're going to be here a couple of... Did I say that a couple of hours? You can handle it. Look, the weather's terrible. What else are you going to do? Right? So I hope you'll be here tonight. The last thing I'm going to say is this before I close in prayer. I heard this saying a long time ago. Don't even know who said it because I would certainly give them credit. The reason we talk so much about giving your life 
to the cause of Christ and the work of the church is this life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's the choice that we all have. Let's pray. Father, that we would be people that are open to the leadership of your spirit, where you want to guide, where you want us to plug in, where you want us to invest, where you want us to serve. God, this church is is yours. What a legacy of people that have given their lives to you and served you through this local body we know as mission. People that have answered the call and gone to another country. People that have gone across the street to serve a neighbor in need. Those that have plugged in with local ministries to serve the least of these. Lord, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's what it means to be a follower of you. That we don't just be a spectator in the work of the church, but that we engage in it, we plug into it, we give ourselves to it. Because that's what you've called us to do. And it is the best life to live that's given to the service of you. Father, I pray that you're speaking right now. I pray you're drawing people back here this evening. I pray you're stirring in their hearts and their minds of what you want them to do and where you're leading them to go. Thank you, Lord, for this great, beautiful thing called church and that we get to be a part of it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.